This is recording number 10842 from the teaching ministry of Crossroads Community Church in Vallejo, California. It was recorded on Sunday morning, November 15, 2009. This is the third message in the series by Randy Bolt titled, Thanksgiving A Way of Life. This message is titled, The Benefit. So we've been looking at various aspects of what it means to have thanksgiving as our way of life. And today we're going to be talking about the benefit, the benefit of living a life filled with gratitude. Uh, A life that is characterized by gratefulness. And uh, I ask you to turn to John chapter 6. We're going to read the first 13 verses. And this is a familiar story if you've hung out with Christians for uh, any length of time. You've certainly encountered it. It's where Jesus takes five loaves and two fish and feeds the multitude. But I want you to, to take a little closer look at it with me this morning. And then we'll be moving to the Philippians 4 passage. So John chapter 6, beginning at verse 1. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs which he performed on those who were diseased. Everywhere Jesus went, throngs followed him because he was healing the sick. He was delivering the bound. Uh, I'd want to be there, wouldn't you? So they followed him everywhere they went. And Jesus went up on the mountain. Now when it says mountain there, we're really talking more of a little hill. <laughs> uh, but... Uh, it surrounds the Sea of Galilee, uh, these little kind of rolling hills. I've been there, and uh, it's a beautiful spot. And you can kind of see this huge lake. I call it a sea, but it's just a big lake. And you can see it. It's a beautiful view. And he gathers all of the people there. Um, and uh, it says that he, he sat with his disciples. Now, the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. This anchors this story to a time and place. And this is important. This you'll find over and over again in the scriptures because these are not just stories that people decided, you know what, I'll I'll just write me a story today about Jesus and we'll add it to the collection of mythology about this person named Jesus. No, these were things that actually happened at a place and at a particular time. And so these these little uh, notices that anchor these events to history and to geography are important to take note of and they're throughout the scriptures. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? There's a throng of people. He turns to one of his disciples, Jesus says to Philip. He says, hey Phil, how... What, where are we going to get enough bread to feed all these people? How are we going to take care of this? Verse 6. But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. This is about Philip and about Philip's response. And ultimately about uh, the disciples, the rest of the disciples, and how they respond to this situation. And I want to suggest to you that ultimately it's about you and I. And how we respond to similar situations. They got a problem. They got a bunch of people there and they don't want to leave. <laughs> Even though their stomachs are beginning to rumble, they don't want to leave because Jesus is here. 
And he's teaching, and he's healing, and he's delivering. And they don't. And so Jesus says, hey, Phil, we've got a problem. How are we going to solve this problem? And Philip, in verse 7, answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. Now, a denarii, or a, a, a denarius, was a silver coin worth about a day's wages. So 200 denarii is a, pardon the pun, a sizable chunk of change. 200, I don't know what you make in a day, but 200 times that, that's what we're talking about. A lot of money. And Jesus has asked Philip, where are we going to get enough bread to feed these people? Philip says, you've got the wrong question. You're asking the wrong question, Jesus. It's not about where are we going to find this bread. It's how are we going to pay for it? Both of these are, in, in their minds, insurmountable, or in Philip's mind anyway, insurmountable problems. Do you have any seemingly insurmountable problems in your life? Relational issues that just don't seem to get resolved. And we're coming up in the holidays, you're going to have to sit down at a table with some of these people. <laughs> A job you just can't seem to find out there. A mortgage you just can't seem to pay anymore. Do you have any sort of insurmountable problems that are facing you today? Watch, watch carefully. One of his disciples, one of his disciples, excuse me, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, uh, "Well, I, I can't imagine this is going to make any difference, but." There's a little guy here, a little kid here. He, he's got five barley loaves. Now, we're, we're not even talking loaves of bread, you know. We're talking little dinner rolls, you know. We've got the, this is his lunch. He's got five barley loaves and two small fish. But, you know, what are they among so many? Then Notice the difference here, though. One guy says it's impossible the need is too great. It's overwhelming. Even if we could find some place where we could buy enough bread, there's not, no, we don't have anything close to the kind of money that it's going to take. The other guy says, well, we got this. Then Jesus said, make the, disciple, or make the people sit down. Now, there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. It's not clear. We have at least 5,000 people here. It's not clear. It may have been, which was the practice of the day, just the count of the men. If that were true, we could have at least another, another 10,000 people there. So this is a lot of folks. Jesus has them sit down. Verse 11, And Jesus took the loaves, this little bit, and when he had given thanks, he took this little bit, that was insufficient, completely insufficient to meet the need. And when he had given thanks for the little bit, the whole rest of the story hinges right here. Don't miss that. You know, these little uh, descriptions of things in the scriptures that we often kind of pass over, there, there isn't anything in your Bible that's there by chance. It's, there's no filler there. <laughs> It wasn't somebody who was given an assignment to write an essay of 
1,000 words and they had to, you know, pad it a little bit. There's none of that in the scriptures. So when Jesus says he took the, or when the scripture says that Jesus took these loaves and gave thanks, it's important to take note of because everything that happens now flows from that act. And Jesus took the loaves and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down. And likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. Can you imagine what's going on in the minds of these disciples? <laughs> They're t- God, or, or, you know, God is doing this mighty miracle and Jesus has involved them in it. He said, here, dispense this to the folks. You've got to be kidding, Jesus. Right? Here's a little piece for you, a little piece for you. And there's, there's more. Here's some for you. And, and, and here, I don't, I don't know, here's some more. And this miracle unfolds before them, something that could not have been anywhere close to, uh, you know, even a, even a dream in their minds. You know, the Bible says that God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we can ask or think. It's beyond the realm of even our dreaming or our conceptually, conceptualizing that Jesus is able to perform in those situations that seem insurmountable. So everybody has had as much as they wanted in verse 12. So when they were filled, he said to the disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore, they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. This is just, this is one of those things that people say, well, that, that's, that can't be. That can't be. That couldn't have happened. That's just somebody's, you know, story. Dear one, I pointed out earlier that this is anchored to a historical time and place. We're told where. We're told when. This happened. And it happened as it's recorded here. And it's a symbol, a signal of what God can do in our lives when we give thanks. Now, if you would, turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. It's in the back of your New Testament, a little tiny book. You might have to refer to the table of contents to locate it. The Apostle Paul is writing a letter to a group of Christians in the city of Philippi. Verse 6, he says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, supplication is a form of prayer, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I got to say, the first thing that whacks me in the head when I read this passage is that it begins with these words, be anxious for nothing. Huh? <laughs> How do you do that? How do you get through life without being anxious? Surely, God wants me to be 
on top of things, anticipating, solving problems. And yeah, there's, there's some relative truth to that. But anxiety, fear, doubt. You know, the, the word anxious there, or in some, some of your translations, it might say, be careful. Be careful for nothing. Uh, tell that to my wife when I'm handling her teacups. Be careful for nothing. That isn't going to go over well. But it's really talking about be careful for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. The original word means to be drawn in two different directions. Pulled in two different directions. Some of these things we talked, I asked you to think about earlier. Some of these perhaps seemingly insurmountable uh, issues or questions or problems in your life. They are intractable because of this very thing. You're pulled this way, then you're pulled that way. You're pulled this way and pulled that way. You don't know what to do. You don't know how to resolve this. You've come to the place where you don't have what it takes to resolve this. And the Lord says, don't, don't go to that place of anxiety. You know, uh, the psalmist said, search me, O God, and know my anxious thoughts. Take your searchlight, O God, and point out the places in my heart where I have Anxiety, fears, sense of insecurity. Show me where those are because I want you to meet me there. Be anxious for nothing. One of the things that that points out is that there's lots of opportunities to be anxious in life. Life is full of potential anxieties. I probably don't need to elaborate on that. But Jesus says, uh, through, the, uh, through the Apostle Paul in, these, in this verse, he says, be anxious for nothing because we have an option. We have an option. Instead of being anxious, he says, to come to him in prayer with thanksgiving. And let our requests be made known. You and I, we need God's help. But we are invited, dear one, to bring our concerns to God. We don't have a God in heaven who is, you know, busy with the more important things. (laughs) That's kind of what we often think. It's a big thing to us, but certainly it wouldn't be a big thing to God. And so we kind of wrestle it out ourselves. But we are invited here. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. We're invited by God to bring our concerns to him with thanksgiving. Now, we've talked in the, in the last few weeks about how we, we're not... Thanksgiving to the believer is not about... Being grateful for stuff that isn't coming to us from God. Things that are not sourced in God. It's not about us being grateful for everything. Because there's a lot of stuff in your life. Some of those things that I mentioned or uh, asked you to think about earlier that may seem to be intractable, intractable, excuse me, overwhelming, unsolvable. God is not the source of those things. So we are not. It's a perversion to be grateful to him for that. 
but we can be, we should be, we're invited to be grateful, thankful for him in the midst of whatever life has thrown to at us. He is always worthy of our gratitude just for being our God, let alone being the one who went to the cross for us. But there is always reason to thank God in the midst of whatever else is swirling around. So we come to the Lord when we're faced with those problems, those things that don't seem to want to be solved by, by any other means. We bring them to the Lord. And when we do, we decide, I'm going to be grateful to God in the midst of this. That's what Job did. I mentioned him earlier in the service. That's what he did. That's what he found. When everything was falling apart around him, he came to the place where he realized that above everything else, all, this, all his stuff and all his friends and all his family, God was worthy of praise all the time, every day, everywhere. God is worthy of my gratitude. So we come with thanksgiving and not to kiss up to God. If you're a parent, you know what this is. When your kids come to you and they want something, they'll tell you all sorts of nice things about you. No, that's my, my kids were the only ones that did that? Oh, okay. This is not about buttering God up. Oh, great and wonderful God, you are the one who has created all things. You are from everlasting to everlasting. Your love is great and merciful. By the way, would you please take care of this problem for me? Sometimes we pray that way, don't we? As though we kind of have to kind of get on good, uh, you know, God's good side. God only has one side, and it's good. <laughs> you don't have to get on God's good side. So thanking God is not about him. It's not about kissing up to God. It's about changing the soundtrack of my life. So that the thing that keeps playing the loop that's going on in my mind all day long, which, by the way, the devil is happy to amplify, is not, this can't be solved, you're in danger, you're going to go down, you know. When I stop that and say, you know what? God's worthy of thanks right now. God is worthy of thanks right now because he gave me life. Because he sent Jesus to pay the penalty of my sin. Because he has made a place for me with him forever. God is worthy of my praise right now. Right now. Boy, it does something to change the atmosphere. Change, And it's not just the, you know, the power of positive thinking or the power of positive confession. There is something to that. I told you when we first started this series that I am the model for the phrase, the glass half empty. I am that guy. That's the one, I'm the one they thought they looked to when they, when they came up with that. But I have so found that when I take God seriously, uh, seriously about this, and in the midst of whatever is causing me to see the glass half empty, I decide to thank God. Not for it, but in it. It changes the atmosphere of my life. It changes the soundtrack of my life. And most importantly, it allows me to place in God's hands something he can multiply. It may not be much. It may just be loaves and fishes. But I place into God's hands my meager resources of worship, gratitude. And I, I mentioned last week, that's the only thing I have 
of my own to give God. Everything else I possess and everything else I am has come from him. The only, one and only thing that I have to offer God of myself is my gratitude and my worship. And when I put that in his hands, even if it seems very small and insignificant, just like loaves and fishes, God can multiply that. He can multiply that to meet insurmountable needs. Then it goes on to say something that I think is just remarkable. The title of this message is The Benefit. This is the benefit of thanking God in the midst of whatever life is thrown at you. The peace of God. The peace of God. It says in verse 7, And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The peace of God. A few years ago, about this time, I was preparing to, I was getting ready to prepare my, my Christmas uh, messages uh, for the church we were previously pastoring. And I, I asked my wife, I said, what do you think people, the people you work with, our neighbors, what do you think is the most, imp- uh, the thing that's most on their mind? What do you think they want most this holiday season? This was four or five years ago. And she said, without Hesitation, Without blinking an eye, she said, peace. Peace. I think that's as true today as it was four or five years ago. It's as true today as it was a hundred years ago. Above all else, people, you, me, the people we know, people we work with, what they long for is peace. And I, I'm not just talking about peace or the, the end of wars and that kind of stuff. I mean the thing that secures the deepest part of your heart. Where you feel settled. You feel at rest. You don't feel torn in two different directions. Peace. This passage, the Apostle Paul speaking to the church in Philippi, he said, get there by bringing everything to God in prayer with thanksgiving. And when you do, there will be a peace that passes understanding that guards your heart. Picture it like a, the the word actually in the original language for guard your heart means garrison, fortress. The peace of God will build a fortress around your heart, an impenetrable fortress. God wants to surround your heart, dear one, with the protection of his peace. It's not a fleeting thing that is uh, tied to any circumstances. In fact, that's what it means when it says it, it surpasses understanding. It's a peace that passes understanding. If my bank account is full, if I'm driving a Rolls Royce, if I have the corner office with the windows... If I have the best-looking wife, well-behaved kids, I do have that one, a best-looking wife. But if you have all of those things and, and you come to me and I exhibit a kind of a peace in my life, well, you can sort of understand why. I mean, that still isn't going to buy you ultimately peace. But if there were, you know, if I seem relatively at ease, you would understand why. You can trace, you can plot the dots from from, you know, uh, everything's uh, well. I have my health. I have my uh, finances in order. I have my family in order. You can plot the lines from that to peace. You can see the connection. But this is a peace 
that isn't tied to circumstances. It's a peace that stands on its own. Whatever storms are raging in your life, whatever stuff is not as you want it to be, there's a peace that God can give us in the middle of that. It's a peace that passes understanding beyond comprehension. And it guards your heart. It guards your heart. This is going to sound really kind of dumb. But when I, when I thought about this, <laughs> I thought about where we live on Mare Island. We have currently, I told you this before, we have a flock of 800 goats. Biological uh, lawnmowers. <laughs> and they're, they're out there just, you know, chomping up everything. And they're doing a good job of it. I mean, they leave behind something. But anyway, they, they, <clears throat> they, they're doing a pretty good job of it. And they do it a section at a time. Can you imagine if they just turn these goats loose? I mean, it wouldn't be a very efficient way of doing it. So what they do is they, they take sections of the, of the island and have the goats kind of clean it up and then they move on. And the way they keep them in a certain section is they set up these electrified fences. And beyond that, well, because we also have coyotes out there on the island, so they're kind of protecting. It's, it's keeping them penned in and keep others, keeping other predators out. But there's also these three big uh, uh, sheepdogs. And, man, you get close, even close to the fence. They're barking and they're, they're just protecting their goats, man. They're trained well. And there is something about the peace of God that... Guards me, guards my heart, keeps me in a place of rest and security and confidence and trust and keeps all of that that opposes those things out of my life. The peace of God will garrison, fortress, guard your heart. Dear one, that, that comes from simply being grateful. It ain't so hard. It really isn't. I mean, I'm not one to, to try to minimize the, the issues and problems that people have in their lives. I'm not telling you today that there isn't serious stuff you're dealing with. There likely is. But it, the solution is pretty simple. There's a God who loves you, who has everything you need, can resolve every problem. And all we need to do is put into his hands our simple gratitude. 